Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, folks. I hope everyone is just having a phenomenal, phenomenal day. You know, here at Real Mentors Radio, daily, we have challenges just like everyone else. But I think one of the things that, that makes the crew and the team get excited is because usually we start our day hanging out on the on the water. We're either on the harbor, we're at the beach. Today, I went over to Harbor Docks, one of my favorite haunts. You can go to Facebook and, and friend Harbor Docks. I post on there quite frequently. And as I'm sitting there, my phone rings. Top leader in a company just says, man, I just need to chat. You got a few minutes to to mentor me and and talk to me and and brainstorm with me and I said, dude, in a heartbeat, I'd love to, you know. And and I'll tell you why I do this. He's like 65 and I always learn something from him far more than he's ever learned from me. And it was fun. And then as I'm sitting there chatting with him, I hadn't even ordered breakfast yet. And in comes my pastor and he's mentoring somebody out in the out on the outside deck talking. And it's like, oh man, this is great, you know. And I was able to pick up their breakfast. I never did get to eat breakfast. I had to get back here to the show. But, man, it's just, it's, it's, that's how my life goes, and that's how our team goes. And yesterday I started my morning off talking to Gary Racer, the founder over at Lemu, you know, and, and today I get back here to the office, and my attorney, Kevin Thompson, calls to share good news with me about, about his new partnership and how he's branched out his, his law firm. He's hanging out down here this week with his family. and I, Life is just good. When you look at being unselfish, when you don't look at yourself as much as others, and that's, that's what brings us to, to Joel's chapter today in Love Works, Seven Timeless Principles for Effective Leaders. Think of yourself less. See, so many times, just because of the way culture is, we really do get wrapped up in ourselves. Joel, Joel writes this. I thought this was profound. He says, Being unselfish doesn't mean thinking less of yourself. It means thinking of yourself less. I know that's a little tongue twister. It's like, you know, Jack Jack chased the dog or the dog chased Jack. You know, same words, put them a little different, and look what happens. See, too many times the world tells us, think of ourselves first. Look out for number one. Take care of yourself. And that's not at all. What makes it work? That's not what leadership's about. If you if you followed me any length of time, you know that just based on biblical principles that I that I share, it's never about you. It's always about the other people. You know, matter of fact, the greatest commandment ever given in the Bible didn't really it wasn't you know put God number one. I mean that was the greatest commandment, but it says love your neighbor as yourself. That's pretty powerful. I mean it's pretty pretty realistic that you know if you're hanging out you you need to have god there but love your neighbor as yourself love your enemies crazy isn't it and here we are today talking about being unselfish margaret thatcher one of the greatest female leaders in history wrote this being in power being in power is like being a lady if you have to remind people that you are then you aren't it's very interesting and it's very true see think about this when you're selfish, you assist in your own way. You insist on your own way. You insist that every decision be yours. I worked for an old boy once. I loved him to death. 
But we all the time, if we wanted to get something done, we had to we had to make him think it was his decision. I saw a lot of myself in him. He's a couple of years older than I was, but he wasn't near as wise of the world as he thought he was. And I've seen that. I see it in people, and and it's just a God-given talent, if you will, or gift of being able to read people. And the Marine Corps helped me define that a little bit, but or refine it, I guess. But I'm telling you, this is an important chapter that we're in today. See, the difficult journey in life is to move from a selfish heart to a serving heart. We become mature adults when we understand, I mean truly understand, that our organizations, just like our lives, are more about what we give than what we get. Why is it at Christmas time? It's all that we hear people say, "Oh, it's better to give than to receive." But yet, in our hearts, do we truly believe that? See, I grew up taking what my parents said literally. So as I've grown through the years, it's never been about me. Very, very seldom since I've become an adult do I tell anybody what I want for Christmas. But I ask for a list, and I always listen to what they say. Man, I'd really like to have this. I listen throughout the year of little things that they said they might want so that at Christmas time I can provide them with something that I know is deep desire. And then I sit back and I smile. And many times my family's even looked and said, well, Daddy, we didn't get you much. So, yeah, you did. I see the smiles on your faces. That means more to me than anything. And we never give extravagant gifts. or I mean, we have, but we, we don't very often. It's about having that servant's heart. And the same thing rings true in business. Dave Ramsey tells a story in Entre Leadership about how he listens to what everybody needs, and, and he asked them to, to share, and, and he goes through what they write. And a little lady in his company had talked about how she was saving money to get a very expensive writing pen. And he thought to himself, man, I get these all the time. This is just, it's just part of my life. This is what I write with. And he knew she wanted one, so he gave it to her as a gift. That's serving. In this, in this book today, Joel shares a story. Listen to this. He says, It was a hot summer night in Battlefield, and the city's 12-and-under Little League baseball championship was on the line. The stands were packed with cheering parents, two outs, bases loaded, and my team was down to two runs in the bottom of the final inning. Guess who was stepping up to the plate? I had struck out my first two previous times at bat, so I wasn't exactly brimming with confidence. But the opposite pitcher had just walked the batter and loaded the bases. I told myself, just make contact. Don't swing too hard. He's going to throw a strike. The first pitch came down the middle. I swung. Quack! I made a solid contact and drove that ball over the fence into an unexpected windshield on a car. My grand slam run won the game 7-5 to and gave us the championship. I felt like I was floating on air as I circled the bases. Our team decided to celebrate by going to the A&W for root beer and ice cream, but my dad surprised me when he said, sorry, we can't go. I have to go home for a mowing job. That was all he said. I was extremely upset and disappointed, but I didn't say anything in fear of getting in trouble. 
We climbed into our car, drove one direction while the rest of the team headed to celebrate. It was a quiet ride home. As I went to bed that night, my mama came in to my room to say goodnight. She noticed that my tear-stained she noticed my tear-stained face. You know your dad loves you and he's very proud of you. You did a great job. I looked at her and said, "Why doesn't daddy love me?" Why wouldn't he take me to get root beer like everyone else? Joel says, I'll never forget what my mama said. Joel, your dad has to meet payroll tomorrow at the dealership, and he doesn't have any money to spare. He needs to pay his staff. Things are very tight right now. Your dad feels badly about this. It's time for him to talk about, it's hard for him to talk about the dealership and the fact it isn't going well but he's doing the best that he can. Joel said, for the first time, I realized just how bad things were for our family financially. Dad owned and ran the Oliver Agricultural Dealership in Battlefield called the Mamby Farm Machinery. He was hardworking, but Oliver just wasn't able to compete with John Deere. And a general consolidation of small farm equipment dealerships in the Midwest was also working against him. That's tough when you're a kid. Joel goes on to say, Dad was only bringing home 50 bucks a week, and even in the 60s, 2600 bucks a year didn't go far enough. But his daddy refused to take a government handout. Instead, they struggled until the dealership finally had to be closed. He says, as a young boy, I had a clear understanding that my dad was unselfish, that he gave all he had to making things work financially, But it wasn't until his dad had died. His dad died of cancer at age 80. Did he really understand the magnitude of what his dad did? He said, you know, your dad and his brother Bob went to World War II, but the Army wouldn't let your dad enlist. They sent him back home. So he worked the farm because he felt guilty because he wasn't out there protecting the country. He said he gave, and he gave to the neighbors. He had a neighbor lady whose husband had died and couldn't mow her grass. So after planting the seed and harvesting 75 acres, he'd go over to her place and, and help her out. They were looking through all the old pictures. He said, you know, after your dad would work in the yard and do the, do the harvesting, if it snowed, he'd go and he'd, he'd do the neighbor's driveway because she didn't have a husband. But this is the important part. Listen to this. He said, then the doorbell rang, and I opened up to find Glenn, my dad's only employee towards the end of the Oliver dealership in existence. Glenn had once, or Glenn came in and told this story. He said, I worked hard as a mechanic for your dad, 15 years in total, but try as we may, we couldn't keep the dealership open. He continued, After the dealership closed for good, your dad did something incredible. I knew how broke he was. It was as tough for him as it was for me, yet he continued to pay me for more than three months until I found another job. He helped me hold it together during a very difficult time. He was a great man, he was generous, and he cared. I've worked in many places since then, but I want you kids to know I've never worked for a finer man. See, when we have an unselfish heart, 
We give till it helps. We just give and we give and we give. It may not be money. It may be your talent. It may be your time. But it's definitely unselfish. There's been times in my life where I haven't felt like I could I could pay tithe to a church or, or any charity. We hardly had enough just to try to make ends meet. There was a time in my life where, back before the banking laws changed, I had two different bank accounts and two different banks and two different towns. And I'd write one check on one bank so that I'd have grocery money. Then I'd kite a check and, and put it in the other account and, and, and make sure that it was there to pay. I mean, I just did this round-robin thing. And it was, it was, I mean, it was, it was tough because, you know, it would escalate to where finally when you did get paid, all your money was just going to cover all the kited checks. I understand how tough it is, but yet I'd still get out there and I'd do what I could for neighbors and for my family and for friends. See, it's about that unselfish attitude. Giving of our times and talent is a concept shared by many philosophies and religions. Doesn't matter if it's Christianity, Islam, Judaism. This is what Joe writes. He says, however, I believe that giving is critical as a leader, regardless of your personal beliefs. This is because leading effectively requires leaders to think of others, remind themselves that any leadership position is a gift, reject the rat race of chasing possessions, and choose to be unselfish. I tell you what, him and Dave Ramsey are friends, and I see why. Here's some principles about this that I think will help you be an unselfish leader. It helps me to be an unselfish leader. Give a percent of your income off the top. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's, you know, the Bible talks about 10% or or the church talks about 10%. Actually, the Bible actually talks about more than that. But Jesus says in the New Testament, give with an open heart, and I challenge you to do that. Give a percentage of your income right off the top. Save a portion of your income right off the top. Pay yourself first type deal. Richest Man in Babylon, great book. Richard Racer, or Gary Racer was telling me about it yesterday, and I picked it up last night. Give your skills to make the world better. You know, every Sunday morning, I get up to crack of dawn, end up over at the Rave Theater at about 7. And I help set up the whole the whole church. We're a mobile church. We meet at the Rave Motion Picture Theater. So I help set up the hospitality area because when people come into church, we, we give them free coffee and bagels and donuts. We've been even known to make Virgin Bloody Marys on a Sunday morning. You know, we, we do this. We, we set up a children's area where... Cassie, my 16-year-old, every Sunday morning gets up and goes in and sets up the whole thing so that the kids will have a great experience. There's others in the crew that come in and set up the stage and the sound equipment and the band equipment and all that. And then there's another crew that come in and break down. Give of your talents. When I got those phone calls today, there was no fee change in hands. There was just services rendered, somebody that needed some questions answered that I was able to be there to help. See, this is what we have to do if we're going to make it through life. There's an interesting story Joel shares about Adam Braun. He says, Adam's a 22-year-old college graduate 
who was backpacking in a small village in India when a group of children ran up, hoping for a gift of some kind. All Adam could find in his backpack was a pencil. That seemed too, like, like, like just a piddly gift, but he was backpacking. What else could he give? Feeling sheepish, Annie, Adam took and gave the pencil to one of the children. The child's eyes lit up like the sun. When Adam saw the joyous reaction to which a seemingly insignificant gift, he thought, if this, if this little girl responds so strongly to a pencil, I wonder how she would respond to a new school. What started as a thought became a dream and soon became a lifelong passion. That young man founded an organization called Pencils of Promise that builds schools in developing countries. Adam is one of the new wave of social entrepreneurs doing amazing things through giving. And he'll tell you that what he is ne- that he's never been happier or more fulfilled. Interesting that the word entrepreneur and nonprofit and social all in one had nothing to do with being a, a for-profit entrepreneur. It was about the crusade. We saw Blake Mikowski, I think that's how you say his name, over at Tom's Shoes do the same thing. I have several CEOs like Gary Racer, BK Breco, Richard Brooke that do the same thing. Unselfish. Given of their product, their talents, their times. But then there's the story of Monica. See, what sets Joel and his organization over at the Christian Family Entertainment Group apart is that they walk their walk of unselfishness. Joel writes, As I toured the Wild Adventures, our theme park in Vidalsta, Georgia, I was impressed with how nice everything looked. We had purchased the park out of bankruptcy, and it was in poor shape when we got it. Now, four years later, it looked beautiful. It was was in part by Jack Hershen, who had led the refurbishment team They'd planted 500 trees and removed over 2,000 tons of concrete to soften the park's feel. It added more shade. We sold the concrete to the city of Odesta, who used it, who used the recycled material to build new roads. It was a win-win for everybody. The new landscaping was gorgeous. The flowers shot up colorful. As I was walking through, I saw one of our landscapers, and I introduced myself. She introduced herself as Monica. I said, Monica, thank you so much for what you do. These grounds look tremendous. And she said, thank you, sir, but I want to thank you for supporting Share It Forward. You're welcome, I replied, even though I had no idea exactly what she was thanking me for. Share It Forward is our company's foundation to assist employees in need and has helped more than 2,000 of our seasonal employees and their family. As I walked away, the park's general manager, Bob Montgomery, said, Do you know Monica's story? I said, I really don't. He proceeded to tell me Monica's older sister died unexpectedly and left behind a nine-month-old baby girl named Lila. Although Monica was only 22 and single, she decided to take Lila as her own. At the time... She had only one, only a seasonal job at Wild Adventure, and her parents didn't have the resources to help financially. HFE encouraged Monica to apply for help from the Share It Forward Foundation 
which agreed to, ha- agreed to help with the cost of her sister's funeral. In addition, Monica qualified for the single parent program and received a monthly stipend. Wow. Monica, a single woman with her entire life in front of her, made a selfless decision to adopt her sister's baby for life. Monica's selfishness was aided by HFE's selflessness. Her amazing and inspirational story is one of the hundred that has been written every year. Here's a for-profit company that launched a foundation to help its own employees. The employees donate a portion of their own hard-earned money to help their other fellow employees that are down on their luck. The company then matches it and puts money in. Above and beyond that, the Hirschen family match it all and put more money in on top of that. Talk about selflessness. You wonder why people love to work with them. They're not the only ones that do that, by the way. Home Depot and Walmart actually do it, too, and that's where HFE stole the idea from. It doesn't matter if you're a for-profit or you're a private company. It doesn't matter if you're, an, I mean, well, if you're a private or a public company. You can do this. Selflessness is one of the seven principles. And again, it's not just about the money. It's about the talent. It's about your time. What, what is it that you can give to others? I've got a friend of mine, Paul Sherwood, one of the most amazing individuals I've ever met. We have so much fun, and, and lately, because we, we, our church has grown so big, he, he's, always, he's always over on the other side of, of town, and he's having breakfast with another group of guys. But for years, we would meet. We, we don't even agree the majority of the time in, in politics. We are, we, are, we are diabolically 180 degrees separated on politics. But you know what we share? We share a passion of serving others. Paul leads an organization, a small group in our church called SOS. And that group, once a month, get together, and they go up and they deliver meals to people that can't get out and get fresh food all the time. And they take those, oh, I think it's over 800 meals to people that need fresh food, need some kind of great lunch that day, and that's what they do. There's other people that do it in the other weeks, but this is what he leads, and he's done it, and he has such a passion. He gives of his time, and he gives of his talent. Jane Cooper, who's the, the chief operations officer over at FHE, makes time out of her busy schedule running the operational side of the business to grab casual meals with up-and-coming female leaders. Now, she meets, she meets with some of the guys, too, but her focus is on, on the women in the organization because we all know that women are underpaid and overworked. I don't care if it's in the home or out in the business. And she's, she's raising up these leaders, mentoring them, And they've seen a tremendous increase in the female leadership in their company. Now, some of you are saying, yeah, it's easy for you guys to talk about this, Troy, but but we're we're losing money in our business. We're we're a startup. We're busting our butt. We're we're, we're working 35 hours a day, man, not, not 35 hours a week. Well, I challenge you. Don't, don't tell me you can't. Because here, here's what happens. If you don't lead, 
in a selfless manner and put others first, your company will never succeed. You may be around five years. You may be around ten years. You'll never be a legacy company. Your biggest leaders will keep falling off and running away. One of the things that I admire so much about the relationship, the friendship that I am growing with Gary Racer is the driving passion he has for his up-and-coming leaders. Now, he has been there for all of his leaders for seven, eight, nine years. But the driving passion that he has is to be there to support a generation-wide leadership that's going to be the next the next wave of leaders in network marketing. He gets on the phone and he calls them and he talks to them and he doesn't try to change their philosophy. He doesn't try to change the way they are or who they are. He takes them as they are. I was on the phone with him last night. We were talking about a a kid that's 26 years old. Him and his wife work from home. They have four kids. A professional drummer. He's got tattoos from head to, to shoulders. He's got sleeves on his arm. If you don't know what that is, that's where your whole arm is covered with tattoos. And Gary saying, Troy, he, he, he truly is a rock star. He's blowing this business out of the water, man. He's finally not having to worry about touring for months at a time, not seeing his girls grow up. I thought, wow. The boy loves drumming. I mean, he's, that's his passion, but he found something to be able to, to fulfill his dream of watching his girls grow up. And there's Gary talking to him. I'm on the phone with Gary last night. Not in the daytime. This is after the close of business, and we're talking on the phone. He's so excited about that. Kevin Thompson's calling me before 8 o'clock in the morning. Selfless people. See, if you want to build it and build it right, then you've got to build it as a leader. You've got to be unselfish with the decisions. Don't try to be everything to everybody. Let your leaders lead. Ask questions, draw out, evaluate who can take and run with it, and then let them have the responsibility. The higher up the leadership change, you should be facilitating, not not in the middle of things. Andy Stanley learned a lot, and, and he shared a lot with me. And one of the things that I learned from him, he said, just because I'm the boss doesn't mean that I'm qualified to make the decisions. He goes, I know how to preach. I know how to teach. I know how to lead. I don't know anything about the computer system that runs the audio and video on the on the stage, so why would I make the decisions? I'd turn that over to somebody else. I thought, wow. Joel writes, I learned a very powerful principle over the years. Socratic leadership attracts and keeps stronger talent than authoritative, basically, aristocrat leadership. See, when you're out there, in other words, when you're out there letting others lead, you're out there learning and asking questions and letting people know, I don't know all the answers. You build loyalty. You build followers. See, I've learned the hard way, I mean truly the hard way, that it's better to ask questions, listen, ask questions and listen. One of the greatest questions that I ever learned was, how's that working out for you? Interesting. How's that working out for you? Interesting. How's that working out for you? I let people talk. Usually they will create the answer that they're looking for, that they need. All they need is a little bit of brainstorming, a little bit of facilitating from somebody else. 
And that's the way it works. Folks, I love hanging out with you. This is you got to buy the book, Love Works, by Joel Mamby, M-A-N-B-Y. Joel was featured under, under Undercover Boss, Phenomenal Story, Seven Timeless Principles for Effective Leaders. This book is just amazing to me. Tomorrow, Truthful, Defining Realities Corporately and Individually. This is going to be great. Folks, live life like it's an epic adventure. And remember this, if you're in the people business, act like it. Folks, we'll see you right here tomorrow morning on RealMentorsRadio.com.